the number you have reached, 911, has been changed to a non-published number. You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. Welcome to another segment of UCW Radio. This is your host, Lou, a.k.a. Falcon Coparis. And again, I want to thank all of our listeners for the continued support just by listening to the show. We really do appreciate it. We are tra- trying to bring you uh, some very interesting guests and some great um, entertainment people. So just uh, stay tuned as we continue to do that. Now, today on the show, we're going to have a very special guest. He is a former World Wrestling Federation superstar. He is a poet and an author. And by the end of this show, you will find out that he's a great man. Now, before we bring him on the line, I have to give you some information. Listeners can actually call in when the show is live. Uh, Get a pen and write it down. Uh, The number is 323 215-1446 and even if the show is not live you can actually call in and leave your comments or questions for our guest and if it's interesting enough trust me it'll be part of the show also if you are on twitter then you can shoot me out some questions or comments while we're live or even if we're not live Uh, we'll read them off again if they're interesting uh, if they're ridiculous then forget about it don't bother um, you'll know who the guest is. Just go to ucwmagazine.com and you'll find out. Just shoot me out your questions, your comments, so on and so forth. My Twitter name is Luis Velasquez. That's L-O-U-I-S-V-E-L-A-Z-Q-U-E-Z. Follow me and ask away. You can even find me on Facebook. Uh, and, um, you can hook up with me there and ask your questions there as well. Now, without further ado... Let's patch in someone that I have to say I hold in the highest regards in the world of pro wrestling and even outside of pro wrestling. He is the one, the only, Lanny Poffo, a.k.a. The Genius. Lanny, welcome to UCW Radio. I really want to thank you uh, for taking time out of your day to speak with us today. Well, thank you very much, Louis V. I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. Uh, we all we always appreciate the time our guests take put aside for us, because uh, I know uh, you're a very busy guy, so we do appreciate it. Um, Lanny, our listeners may only know you as a former WWF slash WWE pro wrestler, uh, one who shocked the world of wrestling by defeating uh, the mighty Hulk Hogan on Saturday night's main event uh, some time ago. Uh, but there's a lot more to you than uh, what people see out there. Uh, Your life's journey has been an interesting one, an amazing one, and during this interview we are going to uh, dive into certain parts of your life that many people out there may not uh, know about, but they're not only going to find it interesting, but possibly inspirational. So let's start at the beginning and crank the clock back a little bit when you, you know, to the time when you first stepped into the ring. Uh, How did that come about? Well, I had a very good advantage. My father is Angelo Papo, and uh, I never wanted to be a wrestler per se. I wanted to be a baseball player. Unfortunately, they have a little thing about hit, run, throw, and field, and I didn't really make the grade. Um, I was good enough to be the best in Downers Grove, Illinois, but they go to different levels, and uh, it became apparent that in a reality world, um, I wasn't going to be a baseball player. So instead, I'm a baseball fan. And 
because my father is Angelo Papo, uh, wrestling is kind of a closed business and having a father really helps because there's a lot of wrestling schools out there that are more interested in taking your money than providing you a service. That, that's you're so very right about that. And back then, when you first got into it, uh, everything was territorial. You didn't you didn't have one uh, you know, international company. You had territories, NWA, and and so on and so forth, and Stampede in Canada. So it was a different era at that time. That's right. And and in some ways, it was. Of course, now it's better for just a few guys. In those days, it was uh, better for more people. Well, you had a lot of people uh, had the opportunity to wrestle in uh, Florida or wrestle in Georgia or wrestle uh, or, or in New York and California and so on and so forth or go to Canada uh, there was always somewhere to go and now uh, I guess uh, things have tightened up uh, tremendously on a bigger scale and uh, that probably uh, puts people at a disadvantage that wanted to really just get into wrestling it puts you on a disadvantage when you're beginning but as far as ultimate stardom um, riding the crest of the WWE is the way to go. It's just a matter of how do you get there. Um, that's what the, I was lucky to have been in an era where, you know, we had, it was like vaudeville. Mm -hmm. uh, for show business people like Jack Benny and Bob Hope, right. they had a chance to be lousy. It takes a million times to be lousy before they got confident, and then they worked their way up slowly. And by the time you saw them on radio or television, um, they were already seasoned professionals. Well, you have to you have to go to the bottom to do that. Right. Well, they you, you can't know, just go right to the top. Well, without a doubt, and they had you know when you're when you're working on the independent circuit or when there were territories of you know these big names now, whether you see a Hulk Hogan or 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 even your brother uh, Randy Savage, you know you got. I mean, they had an opportunity to be bad and get all the get all the stuff out and then polish themselves up for the finished product. Right, and I'm talking about the appearance, the gimmick, the right. interview, every all the facets that make a person worth buying a ticket to see. Right, you know, I mean, there, there was a time that you just had big monstrosities of, of guys just getting in the ring with no personalities. I, I've seen it uh, time and time again in the past, but that's changing now. You need something more. I mean, you need, as you said, you need the gimmick, you need everything, you need the outfit, you need everything to mesh for, for that finished product. Now, go, go ahead, go ahead, Lanny. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm, I'm listening. No, oh, no, I, I know you want to interject, so uh, you have a lot to say, and I don't want to be the. I'm one just saying talking. that size <laughs> is a factor, and it's an advantage, but it's not the whole show. It's not the reason, and I, I only wish some of the people would have been able to see Andre the Giant in the '70s, because if you only saw him in the '80s, you missed the part where he was actually worth the ticket price. In the '80s, he was basically. Uh, the name on the marquee, and uh, you got to see the giant, but you didn't get to see the giant do what he did well, because by then he was crippled and um, immobile. Right. But he, trust me, he was he was worth the price of a ticket in the 70s. Right. I saw a match between Terry Funk and Andre the Giant, and after the match was over, the fans stayed in the building. You know how the fans of the Los Angeles Dodgers want to leave because there's a big traffic jam. Yeah. <laughs> the fans weren't interested in leaving. They just they just stared at an empty ring because they were so awestruck about the greatness that they had seen and this was like in the year nineteen seventy six. Well and, and that's a rarity nowadays. Some you do have matches now that make you say, Wow. 
Okay, but that's that's uh, not uh, every every match that's out there, especially nowadays. But you do have those, and you have those special. Well, and don't forget that people are jaded now because they've raised the bar so much. Yep. You know, you know, it's like for one guy jumped out of the balcony in the cup of water. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the next guy do? You know, shoot himself out of a cannon. Yeah. You, you know, it's it's getting to the point where it's very very dangerous, and um, there's. There are people that want to be the best, and how are they going to be the best by taking more risk? Right, and that's and that's been the case going back. Uh, well, I mean, it, it started in the well, and probably in the '90s, you know, in the mid '90s that, that I know of. Uh, we had ECW doing the extreme stuff, and then they kept raising the bar and forced people to go and do something more. Now that everything is lumped into uh, one organization. Uh, the fans expect that. They expect you get you know, get thrown into a table, jump off the uh, to jump off the top rope, go on a ladder, jump off into the crowd, do this and do that, and and basically uh, these young wrestlers that have a lot of potential, they're getting hurt. Okay, and you know, and it's it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing, but there are thirty wrestlers waiting by the phone hoping to capitalize on somebody getting hurt. It doesn't sound nice, but it's human nature. It's a reality, and, and if you do get hurt, you know, what happens? You have to pop a pill and get back in the ring. or Either that or you're going to lose your spot, and that's what happens. You know, sad but true. Sad that's but right. True. I mean, nobody's, there isn't a wrestler that isn't expendable. That is the that is the thing because it's not the wrestler that makes the organization; it's the organization that makes the wrestler, and that's what people need to understand. That you know, Mr. McMahon, smart guy. I think he uh, did a lot of phenomenal things, but he is the guy. He creates you, or he breaks you, and that's it. That's what it comes down to. Well, to give a to give a little bit of an analogy, uh, take a bucket and fill it full of water, and stick your fist in past your elbow, and then pull your elbow out. And uh, the hole that's left in the water is how much will be missed if you leave. <laughs> that's a good analogy. <laughs> I'm going to use I that. Mean, they got our, <laughs> the, the, the Yankees, uh, you know, Babe Ruth was a big deal, but they they kept winning after he left. Right. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, and no, I see that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes I mean, a lot it, of sense. It, it, yes. But that does make a lot, a lot of sense, and uh, I like that analogy. But uh, let's let's touch on something else. Uh, you are part of one of the most famous families in the world of pro wrestling, uh, which includes your father, Angelo Poffo. Uh, he was featured in Ripley, believe it or not, uh, some time ago. Uh, your brother, uh, Randy Macho Man Savage, he's one of the most celebrated pro wrestlers of all time. Um, but before I continue with this story, I need to ask you, how, how is your dad doing nowadays? He's 84 years old. He has good days and bad days. Uh, some days when the elevator doesn't go to the top floor. Um, but he's, he's a very strong person, and uh, he's too, you know, I, ca I, can't, I can't tell you he's doing fantastically, but I can tell you it's fantastic that he's still alive. And my mother, uh, they've been married 60 years. God bless him. God bless them. God bless them. Sixty years. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, neither neither my brother or myself are going to break that record. I was married twelve years. Uh, Randy a little less. Um, but the thing is, my mom is eighty-two years old. She just had a artificial hip, and if you're cognizant of what that is, it's not a good thing. No. 
for a, for a few weeks, and now she's doing real well. She's on her 11th week, mm-hmm. and uh, she's very happy that she got it. She's being very active now. She's she's going to bury us all. She's tough. Good, but you know something? Having someone strong in your life like that just makes you uh, keep things in perspective. Like, wow, you know what? I can do. I can get through anything, and that that's great. You know, um, to have to have a strong mom like that uh, still around, and uh, yeah, I, I think that she can take you though. <laughs> yeah, she can, and she's a Jewish mother too. So she go. doesn't let me leave the house if it's gonna rain. Uh, you know, like you gotta wear something else. You know, that's the things I get. <laughs> you know, so my father's uh, Italian, and my and I was raised Catholic, and my my mom is uh, you know Lithuanian and Jewish um, extraction. And every stereotype you've ever heard about both nationalities is true. Uh, I can guarantee you. <laughs> you grew up in that environment. <laughs> that must have been interesting. Yeah. You know, your father, you know, Angelo Pafo, he is a legend uh, in wrestling. A lot of people nowadays may not know who he is, but he has an interesting story. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, you know, if you would like, if you can just go into his story and how he got into wrestling, because that was the basis of you and your brother getting into it. Because you know, you were trying to get into baseball, your brother as well, and but your father, he's the one that kicked everything off. That's right. Actually, he wanted to get into baseball too. Right. Now he went to DePaul University, where he was hit in the head by a fastball, and they hit, they hit him so hard he ran to third base instead of first. And then he collapsed, and he stayed asleep for 72 hours. When he woke up, uh, he tried to play baseball again, and he couldn't hit anymore because he was afraid. Uh, there's something psychological after you've been beamed. You know, the the brain's saying, what are you doing? There's danger, Will Robinson, danger. Wow. So um, the greatest moment in my father's life happened before he got into wrestling. And you had mentioned Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yeah. And let me see if I can remember the poem I wrote for him. It was back in 1945 on Independence Day. The Nazis had surrendered. The Japan was on its way. My dad was in the Navy, as history will tell. As he was bleeding through the mats, a world record fell. He did 6,000 sit-ups with an extra 33 to glorify our Savior who died for you and me. And Robert Ripley's feature celebrated that event. Giving credence to success is not an accident. That's always been his motto through times both good and bad. He's a real Hall of Famer and the world's greatest dad. Oh, that's nice. That, that, that is a nice poem, but that is a great feat uh, that he achieved. And I think that it's interesting how sometimes in life uh, certain things that happen to you lead you to something else that, that you actually make your mark in. Because that event... Uh, with him in baseball uh, led to him uh, going uh, to Calgary uh, and he trained under Stu Hart in the dungeon, right? Yes, he had some experience there and uh, the moment I was I was born there, as a matter of fact and I guess he was waiting for him to be born because two weeks later he was gone from Calgary forever and uh, the, he, he, he warned me the dungeon is no place to go no, that's, that, that's definitely no place to go. <laughs> yeah. There yeah. must be an easier route. Yeah. Unless you want to get stretched out, that's about it. You know, that, that's my that's what I recall. So anyway, I like my I like my nose. I like breathing through it. <laughs> but uh, that, that that that's interesting. Um, so then from there, uh, I guess he headed over to Florida. 
Is, is that correct? Well, I mean, I can't give you the chronological uh, well, geography, but I was, I was raised in Downers Grove, Illinois, near Chicago. Mm -hmm. That's where he's from. Right. And he was able to utilize, of course, Ripley's Believe It or Not was the most syndicated uh, cartoon in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's still pretty great, even though Robert Ripley's been dead all those years. Um, it's still taken on a life of its own posthumously after Robert Ripley had died. So the reason he never changed his name to something more theatrical is because the name Angelo Papo on Ripley's Believer does not give him instant credibility whenever he went somewhere. Right. Well, that, that, well, that makes a lot of sense. That makes and, you know, he, wrestling has everything except authenticity, and any time you can make it more authentic, you should. Okay, well, that, that makes a lot of sense, because then there's really nothing to change, so that if you do leave wrestling, you still have your fame with you. Yeah, that's, right. That's something that never leaves. You sign your name, that's uh, your birth name, and that's how that goes. Um, but uh, he, when, when after that all, that all transpired, he um, sprouted up, uh, what was it, uh, ICW, I believe? Well, that was, that was in 1978, uh, 1979, right. that began, okay. and it ended in 1985. Okay, so it had a nice run, it had a nice run, but now, af after that, um, you entered the WWF. That's right. Okay, and who, who went first, your brother or you? Well, the thing is, um, they wanted my brother, mm -hmm. and they didn't even know about me, and I was just a throw-in. Um, and Randy said, hey, uh, they don't have any room on top or even in the middle. And I said, I don't care if I have to bring the jackets back because I believe that water will seek its own level. And if I have any ability, they, they, they'll see it. Right. And in uh, those days, um, there weren't that many places to go. So we went on the same day, Randy with the push and me in the sidelines. Mm -hmm. And little by little, um, what I did was I concentrated on the paycheck and uh, giving my best no matter what I had to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, win, lose, or draw, I always tried to act like a winner. Mm -hmm. The next thing you know, 1989, and I get the break of my life and I became the number one nemesis of the great Hulk Hogan. And, and that was on the Saturday night's main event. Actually, that's that wasn't at the Saturday night's main event, but that was one of the big events that did transpire. But this was a whole this was a whole series that transpired uh, back then in '89. Oh uh, yeah, the Saturday night's main event was uh, like a monthly NBC show, mm -hmm. and that was like the big deal of you know. And uh, I was very um, and no matter what happens, you know, I don't want to be one of those guys that says, "What have you done for me lately?" Right. Even though it happened 20 years ago, even even though Hulk Hogan hasn't done anything for me lately, I will never be done being appreciative to Hulk Hogan for choosing me to do that with. And that was, uh, I guarantee you, he had the power, he had the say-so, mm -hmm. he had the politics, and it was his decision. And I'm telling you, I'm still grateful for it. Well, you know, that's a great attitude to have, Lanny. That's why you are you, and I'm going to get into that later. But, you know, a lot of people in the business, they don't, uh, well, they don't show appreciation. Uh, some people think that, they, that they're owed something, and this is why it makes me laugh when uh, people uh, speak so badly about uh, Vince McMahon. At the end of the day, you know, he's giving you an opportunity. So it's either you take it or you don't. 
And if you're not, if, you, if it's not for you, you walk away. And he's not a babysitter, so if you happen to overdose, um, you can't go blaming him. I mean, people do. That's yeah. all I hear. Yeah. But, um, you know, you have a choice. Take it or don't take it. Right. If you take it, well, let me tell you what, I took it for eight years. Mm-hmm. And all I got out of it was I was tremendously overpaid, and I got to go to every country in the world for free. Mm-hmm. And I love to travel, and I don't like to pay for it. <laughs> so it's a good way to travel. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let, them, let them take care of it. Well, yeah. let's put it this way. Who signs my check is whose praise I sing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Vince McMahon is an excellent person. Um, I've never seen, I've never, he's never smiled at me where I ever thought to myself, boy, that guy needs to floss. He's got spinach in his teeth. He's never had that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've never seen one of his wrestling ring, rings, even in Scranton, Pennsylvania, where there was lint on the, uh, on the canvas. And I'm saying that because sometimes I wrestle at independent shows, and there's plenty of lint on the canvas. Or oh, duct tape holding the, uh, <laughs> holding the, the, the uh, apron together. Right, and you know, the reason that his rings are like that is because Vince is, insists mm-hmm. on going first class all the way. And there are people that are in charge of keeping the ring clean, and there are people that are in charge of stooging on the people that fail to keep the ring clean, because they're either going to be chastised or fired. Right. And he wants what he wants. He wants a nice clean ring, whether it's, like I said, Paducah, Kentucky, Scranton, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. or Madison Square Garden. Well, you know something that that's why he was able to build such an organization. Uh, you know, he's giving the fans what they want. He, I mean, who wants to go pay? And, and you mentioned it earlier. You know, with uh, with fans and everything. You know, fans when they go to an event and they're paying for a ticket, like you said, for, you know, uh, with Andre the Giant, it was worth the price of admission. When a when a fan goes in and he's spending his hard-earned money on an event, they want to see the glitz, the glamour. They want to go Hollywood because, you know what, that's probably the only time they're going to get there is when they go to an event like this. And what's the difference between, uh, you know, we, we were at a very fine diner, but then there's um, fine dining. Right. You know, with tablecloth and candlelight mm-hmm. and piano music. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's the diner that we were at was excellent, and I'm not knocking it, but, you know, you got different brands of show business. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glitz, Glamour, a Las Vegas show. I just got back from Las Vegas, and I said, wow, these guys are, you know, and trust me, they're being hurt by the recession, too. Mm-hmm. Product is still excellent. Well, you know, if you if you give a, you you show a good product, you know, initially, yeah, you may be uh, hurt by the recession nowadays. But if you're still putting out that good product, people will get wind of it, and things, you know, could progressively get better. But working, you know, the independent, um, I guess, independent wrestling market is is tough. It really it really is tough because uh, you know. With uh, with WWE being the um, I guess the icon in wrestling shows, if you have an independent show, you're bringing over some names, so on and so forth. Yeah, you'll get fans coming in, but it's it's, it's still tough. It's still tough. Well, our family promoted for all those years, and I can guarantee you things are, you know, nothing. But it's not just wrestling. Any entrepreneurship, any uh, business startup, any initial public offering mm-hmm. has got 
it's tough. It's, it's going to be tough. Sure. sure. Um, and uh, losing money is a bore. Okay, it's very boring to lose money, especially your own money. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> you know, that's the that's the trouble with socialism. Eventually, you will run out. You run out of other people's money. Yep. You, you know, but uh, when when the balance sheet is looking a little bit more red than black, that's when people quit, and that's when they and those are the people that really knock Vince McMahon. Because Vince is in the trenches mm -hmm. and not in the ivory tower. He's in there every day. You know, I don't knock success. Um, other interviews, I hear people knock success all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, there's no, there's no need to because, look, at the end of the day, I, you know, me being a businessman as well, I look at things plainly. Are you successful? I mean, if you've ever seen the movie American Gangster, there's a, there's a saying in there which I love. Where he says, you know, you can either have enemies and be successful, or have a lot of friends and be unsuccessful. Your choice, you know. Right. <laughs> and with you know, with McMahon, you know, he puts on a great show. He puts on, uh, he gives people what they're paying for, and that's the bottom line. And you know, people shouldn't knock him for that, no matter what happens. And you know, everybody has an opportunity to become a star. Um, they're given the opportunity, they make it. You know, they make it. If not, then uh, you should have a backup plan. Right, there's, um, and you have to be flexible for opportunity. You know, it's, let's just be oversimplification. Mm -hmm. um, you can't spend your way out of a recession, uh, nationally or individually. Um, if you're spending more money than you're taking in, you are living on some very dangerous uh, thin ice. No, without a doubt. So, you know, to, to break it down for people, uh, a person just starting out, my opinion is, no matter how little you're making, try to spend less. And if you do that, because success is not in one day. Success is daily. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why I'm glad my father was my father, because he certainly instilled that in me. And uh, I'm afraid that uh, the kids today don't understand that, and they're going to have to learn the hard way if they learn at all. Well, that's even beyond wrestling, Lanny, because you have uh, these kids uh, popping up in rap music, this 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 entertainment sector, that entertainment sector. They're blowing money like crazy. They're they're financing to buy uh, a million dollar gold chain, you know, a diamond chain or bracelets. It's it's just amazing to me. It's just amazing, you know. Uh, but yeah, your father had the right idea, you know. Uh, so, so and you know what? Uh, I I live very well. I mean, you know, he would sacrifice on the road. But he would indulge his children. Right. So uh, Randy and I were never without. It's just that he didn't gamble and he didn't uh, have any habits that were... He was a very serious man that put his family first. And um, people like that, they don't get enough applause. I mean, there's no medal for it. No. You can't even get in the newspaper and they, they say... If it, um, if it believes, it leads. Mm -hmm. You know, the leading story. Yeah. Um, well, nobody ever wants to hear about a family that did well for themselves and for others. You see, they don't get the publicity. The only, if you go on the New York Post or uh, something, you always say, who died? Who mm -hmm. was killed? Who, you know, what guy was under pressure? Yeah. You know, that's the 
the kind of stuff that sells newspapers. Well, that, that's that's what it comes down to with the media. You know, they have to put the dismal stuff or the negative news out there, and that's the way it is. I, I mean, I had a conversation with uh, Edward uh, Winterholder. He's a former Bandito's um, uh, biker. Uh, he was one of the leaders, and he was he was with that organization for 25 years. And we had a long dis discussion about outlaw biker um, uh, clubs. Uh, for lack of a better word, and uh, he told me, and we agreed, that, you know, the media paints such a picture about anything, and they make it look as bad as possible, so you get viewership or, or, or readership or whatever the case may be, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, is that what you want to hear? Yeah. Right, well, you know, evidently there's a market for it. Yeah. Um, I think it was Thomas Jefferson that gave us freedom of speech and mm -hmm. the Bill of Rights, freedom of press and everything. Um, but these men are, they're not ordained. Right. And um, sometimes they behave irresponsibly. Right. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So, right. and you have to get a couple of points of view before you can get to the truth. If it's, um, like in politics especially. Oh, no, without a doubt, because sometimes things just come out, and people will run for the gates, and uh, that's about it. Yeah, but I think that um, I think we need to switch gears a little bit. Uh, I want to get into more about you and, and what you're doing, because you are a poet. You're an entrepreneur, and right now I think I want to talk about your poems. Um, before we get into the books and everything else, you've written a lot of poems for a lot of people, and uh, you know, let's let's touch on that. Who did you write poems for during your uh, beyond wrestling, outside of wrestling? Who have you written poems for? Uh, the police department. Uh, I got Fraternal Order of Police uh, recognition mm -hmm. for my poem for the policeman. Um, I just recently wrote a poem for the Chicago White Sox. Okay. Because I was asked to and paid to, uh, I wrote a poem for Ted Williams. Um, the of the um, Boston Red Sox. Mm -hmm. um, would you like to? Um, what would you like to hear? Special uh, Olympics first. Uh, you can just you can read off whatever you want to read off if that's what you want to do. That's you're more than welcome to. Sure okay, people. well, um, it's it's called the Special Olympics, and there's something about that name. It's taking people off the bench and putting them back in the game. No one should ever be denied the chance to grab the center stage or share an honest, open smile for other boys and girls their age. For personal satisfaction or just having a little fun, the spirit of competition is the birthright of everyone. It's a very special moment when they pass the torch and run. In the words of Charles Dickens, God bless us, everyone. Well, that's a great poem. And that was for the Special Olympics, right? Yes. That's, that's fantastic. And I did that while I was leaping Lanny for the World Wrestling Federation before I became the genius, um, they sent me to um, they sent me to a Special Olympics uh, activity in Connecticut, Avon, Connecticut, and uh, they asked me to write a poem, and I did, and that was it. Oh, that's awesome. Now you, I mean, you, again, you've written a lot of poems, but you are also an author. And you've written a few uh, series of children's books. Uh, you have some out there. Uh, let, let's talk about that. What do you have out there? Okay, well, the first one is Wrestling with Rhyme, mm -hmm. published in 1988, before I became the genius. Mm -hmm. And half of it 
was some of the poems that I had already done on television, and the other half was uh, poems that meant something to me. And then in uh, 2004, White Bouquet Publishing uh, and I teamed up, um, and it's called Limericks from the Heart and Lungs, 335 limericks, all about smoking. And 4,000 children start smoking every single day in North America, and in the absence of genuine leadership, they succumb to peer pressure. Well, I can't do anything about the 4,000 kids, but if I can save one child mm -hmm. from smoking, which is the number one cause of preventable death, mm -hmm. then my life is not in vain. Now, also, statistically, um, for some reason, um, people that smoke, children that smoke, fall victim to five nightmares of youth, and that is bad grades, mm -hmm. dropping out of school, mm -hmm. drugs slash alcohol, teenage pregnancy, and teenage suicide. Now, I can't say why. I don't know why. I have an idea why that uh, I believe that smoking is the crossroads of throwing up your hands and giving up or letting your individuality become trampled by mobs. Mm -hmm. So I decided, um, you know, I'm, I'm a divorced man, but my daughter is going to be 26 years old, May 29th, and she doesn't smoke. Wow. And my wife and I must have done something right because I see a lot of smokers out there growing up and they start smoking and it's hard to quit. So since 100% of my progeny is non-smoking, I think that gives me the right to call myself Lanny the non-smoking dead. There you go. And um, they put them in order, uh, White Bouquet Publishing put them in order of reading levels. Okay. Uh, like start out with uh, kindergarten, absorbent and yellow is he in his pineapple under the sea. The ocean's too wet for a lit cigarette, so SpongeBob is happy, smoke-free. Then it goes to middle school. Um, when Columbus arrived on our shore, he discovered tobacco galore. The peace pipe was passed, although peace didn't last. The pipe killed more people than war. And then it goes to college level. When Sheila earned her Ph.D. with her boyfriend of equal degree, dissertations got tough, so they smoked off the cuff. How stupid can smart people be? A real estate mogul named Dave let cigarettes make him a slave. Location, location with smoke inhalation has led to his premature grave. So that's about four or five of them. Mm -hmm. uh, there's 335 limericks in the book. Wow. I promise you not a dirty word in my book. But there are there is a glossary of words that you may not know. So it's going to do a few things for you. It's going to improve your reading level. Mm -hmm. It's going to build your vocabulary, and it's going to hammer home the non-smoking message. Well, that's that's great, you know, because you have kids out there. Yeah, as you said, you know, some kids are easily uh, swayed into doing bad things, smoking, drugs, things of that nature. So, you know, by by reading your book or reading a poem, if that helps them, then fantastic. If you help one kid, as you said, if you help one kid, then you did a great job. And, and you're also known for showing up at schools to inspire children. Uh, and you've done that uh, a number of times uh, during your lifetime. 
That's right. I've uh, I've done a lot of that. As a matter of fact, uh, because of my website, LannyPopper.com, I get invitations all the time to come to boys and girls clubs, mm-hmm. come to schools, churches, organizations, uh, everything. I've done a. I'm and I'm excited to do it. It. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, I think I enjoy it more than the kids do. I, I can I, actually I can understand that. Like I really can, you know, and I think that that it's great that you're doing uh, so many things for the kids because if for these kids just to see you and just to to hear what you're saying and get the message and for them to say, wow, uh, I I just got inspired. And by doing something like that, you know, I think you're doing a service not only for the kids but for this country. Oh, thank you. And December 28th, I'm going to be 55 years old. But there's no guarantee that I'm going to reach that mark because, you know, the the old must die, the young may die, and we never know the moment. So we don't know how long we have. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, George Eliot wrote a poem that inspired me. Uh, his real name was Marianne Evans. And in the 19th century, a woman couldn't be taken seriously in the world of poetry. So she had to use a pen name that was a male. Okay. And she said, if you sit down at set of sun and count the acts that you have done and counting find one self-denying deed or word that shared the heart of him who heard, one glance most kind that fell like sunshine where it went, then you may count the day well spent. But... If through all the live long day you've cheered no heart by yea or nay, if through it all you've nothing done that you can trace, that brought the sunshine to one's face, no act most small that helps some soul and nothing cost, then count that day as worse than lost. Well, when I saw that poem, Mm. I decided to make it my daily mantra. Okay. What have I done today? What have I done to help somebody? What have I done? And if I've offended anybody, let's make sure that I apologize. Because, you know, people have feelings. And no matter who you think you are, nobody's better than anybody. And no man stands taller than when he stoops to help a child. That is without a doubt. I, I, honestly, I couldn't have said it any, any better. Not even if I tried my hardest and I studied for a week. <laughs> you know, you just put everything out there in such a way that yeah, you know, um, yeah, pe- people, you know, have, you know, they should understand that. Yeah, no one's better than the next man, and you have to keep things in perspective because you're here today, gone tomorrow. Uh, that's why you have to live for the moment, and that's something that you uh, that you do, and I know that you do that. Now, Lanny, are you working on any of the books uh, currently? Um, no, what I'm doing is um, I'm working on a lot of public appearances. Um, I feel, I know, I, instead of writing books, I'm just writing poetry. Okay. For example, I just wrote one for the Chicago White Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wine Styles is a, uh, is a group that asked me to do a poem for them. And, you know, whenever people ask me to write a poem for them, if I agree to do it, uh, all I need is a bulleted list on the, uh, or I just look at the website, you know, of course, in my day, and. Uh, we didn't have Google, or as, uh, as the ex-president <laughs> used to say, the Google. The Google. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Yeah, so you're you're doing a lot of personal appearances now. You're 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 traveling the country, uh, traveling the world, actually. Right, and uh, let's face it, I'm I'm still enjoying the ancillary benefits of being a former WWF WWE personality, mm -hmm. um, because like at WrestleMania, uh, that was, I guess it was in Houston. I'm not, I can't even remember, okay. but I went to Toronto. And I went to Etobicoke, which is a suburb, mm -hmm. and I went to Boston Pizza, where I was paid to meet, greet, sign autographs, and be nice to wrestling fans that were watching the pay-per-view on the, uh, on the, in the sports bar, um, situation. Okay. And I'm thinking to myself, how lucky am I, you know, to still be profiting from WrestleMania? Yeah. And, um, you know, I did a few poems and I had some fun. That's not work. That's not digging a ditch. No. No, exactly. That's not digging a ditch. And I just want to touch on something. You said that you know, your birthday uh, uh, is coming up and you're going to be 54, 54 years young. And yeah, you're 55. You, 55? So 50, I'll be 55. So 55 years young and you will make it to that point and we don't want to have any negativity like that. I just need to say that because uh, I hold you in the highest regard. So, so it's, Well, you thank know. you. Uh, you know, what I like to do, though, is I like to live each day as if it was my last, but plan ahead like I'm going to live 200 years. Okay, good. That, 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 I'd rather hear that than, uh, than uh, hopefully you make it there. So <laughs> hopefully well, you make it there. You know, it has a lot to do with looking both ways before you cross the street. Right. No running with the scissors. Everything your mother told you that you used to roll your eyes. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's true. Mm -hmm. And in, in your business, you know, it's nice to have a stop loss when you invest too, yeah. you know, because it's nice to say, let your profits run, but I refuse to lose more than this much. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm, I mean, uh, I'm just speaking, I don't know, whimsically about that, but there's, there are people that invest, uh, carelessly. There's people that cross the street carelessly. Mm -hmm. I always like to know what's the worst that can happen. What's the, uh, risk reward ratio. Right. And then you map out, you know, what if, is it worth it or not. And if it is worth it, you do it. If not, then then you don't do it. And that that's a good way to look at it because a lot of people, you know, a lot of these kids out there, they they think that uh, that smoking uh, drugs because uh, everything's glorified. That okay, you know, I can I can just smoke one uh, joint or I can just take one cigarette. I'm not going to get addicted. And all of a sudden, what happens? That's right, and um, you know. Fear and greed uh, are two things that you need to, you know, wash yourself of. Yeah. Yep, and that, that kind of attracts uh, the kids to that. Now, Lanny, this is the time where we're going to give you the floor we're to talk about anything that you want to talk about. Plug your events, uh, your book, your autograph signings, your, 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 your readings, whatever you have going on. Your website, for sure. Plug your website and anything else you have going on. So uh, go for it. Well, <laughs> okay. Um, I'm not going to stop. <laughs> I don't know my schedule by heart, but uh, I do know that October 22nd, I've been invited to go to Warsaw, Poland, and I'm going to wrestle. Um, because of my website, a fellow uh, emailed me and said he's a businessman from Warsaw, Poland, and that I was his favorite wrestler when he was, you know, 20 years ago. And, uh, since he's, and he wanted to make sure that he booked me, and he wanted to know if I could still wrestle. 
And I said, well, I'm not as good as I was, but I can definitely, and I've never been to Warsaw, and I would love to go. And uh, believe it or not, I'm going to be in Warsaw on October 22nd, and I have that memorized because uh, I've never been there, and I think that's fantastic that I get to go. Uh, November 14th, I remember, I am going to Chicago mm -hmm. um, for a fan fest. All I have to do is sign autographs, which I love to do. Right. Uh, November 28th, I'm going to the south of France, um, and it's it's going to be uh, in Cannes, mm -hmm. where they have those um, movie, um, you know, festivals. Right. November 28th, uh, I'm going to uh, the Mediterranean Sea in France. Wow. So I don't have such a bad life. No. Um, I'm just keeping open uh, January 8th, 9th, and 10th for a very dear friend of mine who might uh, see that I get to go to Atlantic City, there you go. New Jersey, and uh, I'm going to make sure that nobody gets to book me on those days until I find out from this person that it's not going to happen okay. because I really want to go. January 30th, I'm going to Manchester, England, okay. or United Kingdom, uh, February 6th and 7th. I am wrestling in Germany. Uh, what towns? I'm not sure. February 20th, I'm, uh, I'm going to be singing karaoke for children's cancer in Ybor City, Florida. That's and excellent. it's my fourth time to do that. That is excellent. That is excellent. Go ahead, continue. I think that's great. Uh, May 31st through April 6th, I'm going to be wrestling in England. Uh, not for the World Wrestling Federation or World Wrestling Entertainment, but um, there are people and you know, independent promoters, and if the price is right, I'll be there tonight. Right. And I, lo I absolutely love, love to travel. Uh, I love meeting people. I'm very, very nice to the fans. And, uh, you know, when I met you, I told you the story of Art Linkletter. Yeah. How he, I asked him for his autograph, and he told me something that you should never tell a child. And it scarred me for life. And I remember that, and I'm always nice to the fans. Now, I am not going to give you the same show that Leaping Lanny used to or The Genius, uh, if you remember me from, you know, 20 years ago and more. Mm -hmm. However, it even if you're not young anymore, you can be nice to the fans, okay? And I can still do a moonsault, still read a poem, so I'm going to do everything I can in the ring and out of the ring to make sure that the fans don't demand a refund, because, you know, they spent the money and they deserve satisfaction you know, more bang for their buck. I've always felt that way, that if you don't give the fans everything you can, if you then you've uh, picked their pocket, you've shortchanged them, mm -hmm. it's the same as stealing. That's absolutely correct. And, uh, I mean, you are a true professional, without a doubt. Well, I appreciate that. And I, it just walk up a mile in the other guy's shoe. Mm -hmm. You know, there are things that he can spend money on, but he chose to come see you. Mm -hmm. And the number one thing you have to do is show up. Oh. You know, that's the worst thing <laughs> you can do is not show up. Yeah. Some people, <laughs> you, well, you, you're a promoter. You, you've had no shows in the past? It, it, it happens. It happens. I was, I was recently on a tour of the Maritimes, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, mm -hmm. New Brunswick. And I was getting along really well with the promoter, and he said, oh, man, this guy isn't going to be here. So I said, well, I guarantee you there's not going to be a riot at the box office. No matter, you know, no matter what it is. 
and I said, just announce it at the beginning. Anybody wants their money back and get it back, and nobody got it back. I'm not going to mention the wrestler's name. I don't want to give him any publicity. No, but the thing I is, blame me, but I can imagine. My, but go ahead. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, in my life, I promise you, uh, I've never missed a booking. Mm-hmm. I take them very seriously. Um, I always get to the airport before I'm supposed to go home. You know, I'd rather be, I'd rather be bored than stressed. Okay. okay. Oh yeah, without a doubt. You know, uh, I mean, you, yeah, you. <laughs> Your last flight out uh, when you were in New York, you what, you were um, what uh, the airport about two hours earlier, <laughs> right? And then I could, you know, overeat and walk around and yeah. get my face lapped by some beautiful woman. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, but as long as you get your uh, your your thing in first, that's okay, I guess. <laughs> No. Oh, I wonder what you meant by that. Yeah. I can only think of the anyway. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, what about your website? Where can people, if if any promoters out there that are listening to this interview or any uh, organizations that want um, Leaping Lanny Poffo, the genius, to uh, to come to their event to uh, be or headline their show anywhere around the world, he loves to travel. So anywhere around the world he's willing to go, um, Lanny, why don't you just tell them how they can get in touch with you? Okay, just go on LannyPoppo.com, and there's contact information. And uh, I read all my email, and I answer all my email, unless it's vulgar, unless it gets to be a pain. And by that I mean um, same person asking, uh, you know, like too many times the same questions. Sometimes I've had to block a few people, as you can imagine. I could but imagine. <laughs> I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I type about 100 words a minute. Um, I'm not a genius like I said I was either. Um, that was definitely a gimmick. I'm not a, I don't belong to the Mensa Club. Uh, the, if I'm a genius, it's for a wrestler, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And um, I do write my own poetry. And when I quoted, um, whenever I do a poem, that somebody else wrote, if you notice, I always gave credit that it was George Eliot, a.k.a. Marianne Evans. Right. Which, and any other poem you heard me do is what I did. So if you can spell my name, Lanny, that reminds me, I was on the Jonathan Ross show in England, Mm -hmm. and he called me Lenny, and I said, no, it's Lanny, like Fanny. He (laughs) says, you can't say that on the telly. (laughs) I said, why not? Well, in England, you see, I didn't know this, but um, Fanny is a very bad word. And it's not such a bad word here. Well, let's put it this way. It it rhymes with something that a football player might do on fourth down. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it starts with the same letter that starts the word Cucamonga. There, there you go. I, get, I think we can read between the lines on that one. <laughs> Right, and it's not a very popular word here, and you know what I mean. That the, so, in other words, our English is a little different. Our our bad words are a little different too. Right. So, um, anyway, anybody that wants me, um, I can't take every offer, um, but if it's someplace I want to go and the price is right, I will be there tonight. And uh, like I say, I just got back from Las Vegas, had a fantastic time, met some excellent people. The only thing that disappointed me, um, and you know, I had wrestled 
WWE uh, before at the Thomas and Mack Center. Mm-hmm. But I didn't notice it then because smokers, non-smokers didn't have rights back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, many years later, you go through the casino and they're all smoking in there. And I said, what the, what's going on? You know, I thought that um, every place had abolished indoor smoking. Mm-hmm. But evidently not. I said, well, that's enough to cure my gambling. Yeah, well, hopefully they weren't smoking in the arena because uh, I wouldn't be able to perform to that. Well, in my day, we did that in the smoke-filled arena. And, you know, you think you're a non-smoker, but you're you're breathing in the equivalent of all that smoke. You know, in our day, we were the minority. Now we're the majority. Mm-hmm. Now we've got the power. Yeah. And um, I squeeze. They say, do you mind if I smoke? Yes, I do. I mind if you smoke. Well, at least you're being honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I've uh, before I was a boy in a man's business. You know, I was 18 years old when I started. Uh, considered myself very, very lucky to be in the business. I still do, but I, um, I also have a few things I'm not going to tolerate, and that's one of them. Well, you know, I don't blame you because smoking kills. I mean, they have that big, that big warning on the packet, and it, it's just funny to me is that you see the warning says smoking can kill you. Okay, it's hazardous to your health. Okay, but you want to put it in your mouth anyway. Well, I guess to each his own, and everyone takes their own path. And there's nothing. That well, we and it's about it. and it's hazardous to your wealth. Yep. You know, I was just talking to this girl. She was complaining that she had no money. She was complaining that she couldn't pay her um, her rent, her insurance, her car bill. And I said, how many tattoos do you have? She says, well, I have this, 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 and that. I said, 18 years old, and that's how many you have? Do you have any piercings? Yes, she had a few piercings. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're a smoker? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't feel sorry for you, I said. I said, there are necessities of life, and there are luxuries. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're you're not only indulging in luxuries, you're indulging in folly, which is a nice word for stupidity. Yeah. Now, I have nothing against if you have enough money to get a tattoo, go ahead and get a tattoo if that's if if you think that's going to help you. Uh, if you think you know that's what you want. Um, however, if you can't pay your rent or your mortgage or your insurance or your necessities or your food. Don't come crying to me because you've thrown your money away on some nonsense. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, no, I see what you mean because people, as I said even you know, earlier, I mentioned that you have uh, these rappers and everything, they're, they're financing to buy all this elaborate stuff, all these luxuries and whatnot. Uh, even, you know, the average Joe going out and eating out every night, that type of thing, you know, if you're, if you're a tapped out cook, you know, cook at home. You, know, you have to conserve your money, and that's what it comes down right. to. Smoking, uh, ten, you know, eight, ten dollars. I don't even know what cigarettes go for, but I know last I saw it was like eight dollars, nine, something like that. And uh, and if you're smoking two, three times, uh, three, two, three packs a week, it adds up. It adds up. You know, there are better things to spend yes, your money the, on. If the uh, it's a slow drip that's going to eventually drown you. Sooner or later, Lanny. Uh, what I'm about to say, and I'm, I do mean this. It comes from the heart. You are one of the most 
genuine people that I've come across in the world of wrestling and trust me <laughs> I've come across some doozies um, but what you do for the children make it makes you a great person outside of the squared circle and in short you know I have to say that it is an honor not only to know you but to have the opportunity to have you on the show um, and, I, and that comes from the heart well El Gusto es mío, senor. Um, I met you on June 11th, uh, and I have never enjoyed more thoroughly a conversation, and I asked you a lot of questions because I'm very, very interested in what you do and what you're about mm. because I want to apply it to what I do and what I'm about. And it's very rare when I could be so enlightened at one time, you know, because I don't know if you want to go into what I was asking you, but it was about your profession, yeah. you know, and uh, investments and things like that, and I have a lot to learn, and, you know, I was picking your brain, and you were very, very nice about it, and another thing, you were always punctual, you know, you you did what you said you were going to do, right. and so many people do not, now it seems like that's, that should be a no-brainer, like it should be all the time, but trust me, I see what you mean. I appreciate the kind words, you know, but uh, again, you know, you're the one out there in the trenches doing your thing, and uh, for me, what you're doing, yeah, I mean, you're out there getting your name out there and continuing to do what you do in the wrestling world, but that's, you know, that's part of your motivation. You helping the kids puts you on top of the heap, and a lot of people don't do that, and that's why, that's one of the reasons why I hold you in, in that high regard. And that's something. That's not something you asked me for. That's something that you actually uh, earned from me. So I well, I appreciate it. And I, let me tell you what, I feel the same way about you, sir, uh, Senior Velasquez. Uh, you are uh, top drawer, in my opinion. Thank you so much, and I appreciate it. Uh, I want our listeners to visit Lanny Poffo's website at www.lannypoffo.com. And if you're a promoter, definitely go and uh, and book this man. You you won't have any regrets. Actually, you may even call the show and thank me for pushing you to do it. Because out of most wrestlers out there, especially uh, from the WWF days, he is, uh, I'm just going to quote, I'm just going to just say what you just said, Lanny, that he is top shelf. Okay, and that's what it comes down to. So keep tabs on him because beyond wrestling, he has a lot of other things going on, his appearances, everything, and you can find everything on his website. And Lanny, thank you once again, and I want you to enjoy the rest of your weekend, my friend, and I will uh, speak to you soon. Okay, thank you very much. What is your major malfunction? Oh, let it be written. So let it be done. Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.